Welcome to Red, White, and Confused. I'm your host, Heather Evans. So this week continues on with the student segments of this program. You may remember last week that I mentioned that over the next three weeks, students in my media and politics class are taking over the airwaves. They are going to be sharing some of their work this semester with you. Every student who takes my media and politics class at UVA WISE is required to think about politics and how we can best communicate that to the public here in Southwest Virginia. And so today we have two new students and you're gonna hear their interview in a few moments, um, Trey Stidham and Priya Funk. They're gonna talk a little bit about the use of new media in campaigns. Now, as I mentioned, this is the second student interview. So next week will be the third and final interview. We hope that you tune in for all of these. And if for some reason you miss any segment of this, you can catch up anytime, um, either by listening locally on uh, 90.7 WEHC, or you can also listen online. Uh, we, ha- we are available by podcast. So if you've got Spotify, just look for Red, White, and Confused. All right, we hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, it's me, Trey. I'm a senior education major here at UVA Wise, and this is my friend Priya. Hi guys, I'm Priya, and I am a junior political science major here at UVA Wise, and Trey and I are taking a media and politics course together. Right. Today, uh, for this podcast in particular, we're going to be discussing and exploring the effects of new media on local elections by examining personal opinions and the thoughts and experiences of a fabulous congressional staff member, Mr. Zach Brown. But before we start, Priya is going to give us a little background on what new media actually is. So new media, as we discuss it in our class, sort of refers to any sort of media that has recently developed, and we commonly define it as the mass communication that involves digital communications such as, and particularly in our case, social media platforms. Right. So this could mean anything, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For this podcast, we're going to focus a lot on Twitter. However, Mr. Brown will be able to give us any information that he feels is necessary for this topic. All right, guys. So let's jump in. So today we are talking with Mr. Zach Brown. Hi, Zach. Hello, good to be with you both. Good to have you. So we would like to know a little bit about what your experiences were like working with congressional staff. Sure. So I actually, uh, just a little bit of background about me. I just wrapped up about uh, six years of work on Capitol Hill and the House side, uh, the vast majority of it as communications director for the late Congressman Don Young of Alaska. Um, he passed away last year, and there was a very famous, popular, notable, I'm looking for the right word, uh, there was a very newsworthy special election, of course, that replaced his seat uh, that Sarah Palin was running in. And of course, we know that uh, Congresswoman Peltola was the ultimate uh, winner. So it was uh, in the spotlight for quite a while, and it was very cool to see so much of the work that I've done, uh, you know, certainly certainly very sad and tragic uh, to lose Congressman Young. He was a friend and mentor to so many of us. Uh, but it was great to have uh, so much media attention on uh, his impressive accomplishments and uh, Congressman Paltola's uh, new career and, and position uh, in his office. Um, I had a the, the years I spent on Capitol Hill in the House were 
the the best professional years of my life. I uh, got exposed to so many different people, uh, viewpoints, uh, policy areas, different job functions just within the congressional staff. I was communications director, but of course that's just one small piece of the puzzle in a congressional office. Uh, you know, most of the the staff in a congressional office are going to be doing uh, straight up legislative policy work. And then you have the communications team, uh, myself, who, you know, I, I always kind of describe the the job as taking what the policy team gives me, editing it out, editing it down into bite-sized uh, key points that, you know, the general public can really wrap their minds around and, and get involved with and learn from without being too, you know, overly dense uh, in, in, you know, policy jargon and stuff like that. Uh, but there's also congressional staff who uh, manage a member of Congress's travel schedule, which sounds uh, on its face. I, I have to admit, before I uh, went to Congress and, and actually got a job on Capitol Hill, it seemed like if you were responsible for a, a congressman, uh, a congressman's schedule, travel schedule, you were kind of like doing travel agent work. And really, how hard could it be to to buy plane <laughs> tickets, you know, on the on the company credit right. card? But probably, gosh, I mean. Uh, congressional schedulers are truly the backbone of a, of a congressional office. When you think about it, nothing happens without uh, their work. The member of Congress can't travel back to the district. They can't schedule logistics around meeting with constituents, either in the district uh, itself, or in my case, uh, the state. It was an at-large district, or in the Washington, D.C. office. Um, and so, you know, the, the scheduler is just uh, one example of a, a non-communications and non-policy role that you'll find on Capitol Hill. You have you know, the office managers who are responsible for the day to day, uh, making sure that the office is well stocked with with supplies, with what you need, that the member themselves uh, have what they need. Um, and then you have the the uh, the interns and, and the interns are crucially important to any congressional office. Uh, certainly, you know, I was a congressional intern myself uh, and learning to work with them and, and you know, help. Ha- empower them to to assist with the office, but also help them learn the ins and outs of the job uh, was a, a tremendous experience. Um, but I would say that there were the congressional staff that I worked directly with, my own coworkers, my own team, uh, they were, you know, the the, the best uh, coworkers that I, I could have asked for on the Hill. But it's not just a, a legislative body of one person. You know, we have 535 offices plus the delegates and resident commissioners. That's 541 <laughs> uh, congressional offices, just the members themselves. Uh, the committees all have their own separate staff. So that's additional congressional staff. Um, and, and then you have, uh, you know, v- various caucuses or, or, or policy groups or organizational groups uh, within the Congress. Examples of, are like uh, the Congressional Black Caucus or the Problem Solvers Caucus, the Tuesday Group, uh, the Blue Dog Coalition. Those, those are all organizations within Congress uh, that have their own staff that are on payroll and, and uh, considered official congressional staff. So there are, uh, and then you have the entire other legislative chamber uh, full of staff. You know, I was on the House side. I was constantly having to work with Senate staff to coordinate stuff. So really, you know, it's more than just the 10, 12, 15 people you work directly with uh, in a congressional office. It's a full network uh, that could, you know, if, if there were a directory and there is a, a digital one, there's not a printed one, but if there were a printed physical directory of every congressional staff, who knows, you could probably circle the entire earth five times. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, working with congressional staff, nobody nobody is no two people are the same in congress just like no two people are the same you know in in our lives uh it's it's very 
important that you know basic uh, career things, job stuff, you know, the, the fundamentals, email, scheduling, uh, office supplies, stuff like that. Uh, but it's also important that you have uh, an interest in policy and everybody has their own interest uh, in, in different policy areas, their own, their own background, their own experience. And so, uh, you know, it, congressional staff is really, congressional staffers as a group, it's a really great cross-section of just uh, the country. Uh, and insofar as the House of Representatives is supposed to mirror uh, the nation, I, I think even beyond just the, the members themselves, just the staff, uh, you know, you, you have one member who could each have, like I said, 12, 15, occasionally more staff members. Uh, so there are at any given time, thousands and thousands of congressional staff. It's a very great uh, supportive community, uh, very smart people to work with. And, uh, you know, the, I, I, I still love getting together with past and, and current congressional staff uh, just to, you know, talk shop because while well, the experiences are different, experiences for people who came before me were different. They would fax press releases or they would before that, you know, send them out over U.S. mail and I would email them even after me. They're going to be doing it in different ways. So it's 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 cool that, you know, for everything that's different, fundamentally, uh, that you always have the same thing to to talk and bond over. So I guess to kind of build off of the communications director sort of style, what was your involvement in operating the congressional staff social media and what was that experience like? Sure. I was um, a one man communication shop. I think a typical configuration in a congressional office uh, is either, you know, something like me where it's a very, it's, it's just one very empowered communications director or, or press secretary. You'll have a, uh, organization where maybe you'll have a communications director on top, then a press secretary and interns, or maybe a press assistant. Um, in my office, it was just me. And so I managed uh, the congressman's official social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm trying to think of other social networks we we might have had, drawn a blank. But uh, I mean, the, the website itself, um, I, I was responsible for all that. And, and really, uh, it was... It, it's an extension of traditional communications. So, you know, I may have started work one morning starting to draft a press release for a piece of legislation that the congressman is going to introduce. Uh, and that's more, I don't want to call it long form writing, but it's more formal writing, you know, mm -hmm. two, three paragraphs. Uh, whereas a tweet is going to be, you know, 280 characters or or, or thereabout. Um, it's, a, it's an extension of the representative's voice. And so, you know, as communication staff, we're hired to really capture uh, uh, someone else's feelings, their their viewpoints, their passions, uh, the little wor word choice that they use, um, any sort of even mannerisms or, or turns of phrase that they may use. And so you have a little bit more freedom to do that in a traditional press release just because you have more room to, to type. There's no character limit. Um, but you also have to translate that to social media. Um, and it can't just be you know, there'll be times when the congressman would want to breathe fire on social media about a, any given policy issue. And so that would be, you know, very fire and brimstone. But there were times where you'd want to show the congressman's personality, you know, show him uh, out hunting moose or, or, or you know, dressed up as Santa Claus doing something fun. Um, and so I, I think with social media, it allows you a little bit more flexibility to sh to to humanize and, and to to really bring things you can connect directly with. Uh, a constituent to their member of Congress versus uh, a press release, which is also, you know, vitally important. Even I would say the first line of defense in any 
any communications plan, uh, but a press release is going to be written probably more formally. Uh, there's probably going to be more background bullets at the bottom. You know, if a journalist wanted to write about something, you'd want to give them a, a bunch of bullet points explaining what exactly this press release is about uh, and, and some context behind it. Um, but I did manage the congressional social media. And in my free time, I assisted with the campaign um, and I would handle the campaign social media. Um, it, that that was, I would say, you know, a, a campaign will wrap up, obviously, in November. And it'll probably, for a lot of people, lay dormant for a good almost year. And in that time, the member is still fundraising and still, you know, confirming that they're running for re-election. Um, but it's a little less uh, urgent, I would say, to keep uh, campaign social media updated in, in an odd number year, for instance. I think there are certainly members uh, who use their uh, political or campaign accounts. I, I, I think some great examples of this are obviously going to be like AOC or Matt Gates, um, Elise Stefanik. Uh, so, so many, you know, typically, I, I think it's no coincidence those are the, the younger, on the younger end of the spectrum for members of Congress, uh, which is why social media is so important. Um, but you know you'll 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 see members like that continuing to tweet from their campaign accounts even in in off years. If you have uh, a member of Congress who maybe doesn't do you know cable news hits often, is a little less in the the national spotlight or the public eye, uh, it's really not uncommon to go to the their campaign social media and see that they probably haven't tweeted since you know the previous November, and then all of a sudden uh, January of an even number year, the engine revs up again, and and uh, we're we're trying to get tweets out to you know, remind people that they're, they're running for Congress. And typically, you know, once a campaign starts in earnest, um, the campaign committee itself will hire a campaign manager and a, and a social media person to sort of uh, take over the, the primary responsibility for, for social media. But, um, you know, even on a, on a volunteer basis, um, or if I were making a stipend on the side, uh, I would be pretty much the only one handling it in odd numbered uh, months, odd number years, the months within the odd number year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it really, every member of Congress is going to be different in, in how they structure their social media, official congressional social media versus campaign versus maybe they even have their own personal social media. I know Congressman Scott Peters from San Diego has his at rep Scott Peters, which is congressional account. Uh, he has his Scott Peters SD account, which I think is his personal account. And then he just has, I think, like Scott Peters for Congress, which is a campaign account. So that's another configuration. You know, it's yet another account to monitor and to manage. So, it, you know, it'll it'll add more work. But there are members of Congress who even in odd numbered years will want to tweet just on their own because they like tweeting. Um, so that that really brings in another another layer of, uh, of information to consider. But um, I, I would say for the most part, most members of Congress aren't tweeting for themselves yet, but the march of time continues and eventually, you know, Congress will be full of millennials and Gen Z, and I'm sure they'll all be doing a lot more tweeting on their own, which, you know, sometimes probably doesn't make their communication staff very happy because that's the one Twitter account they may not have, you know, any control over. Um, whereas, you know, if we're tweeting something from the campaign account, or excuse me, from the congressional account, for example, uh, you know, I may have a tweet idea, and this is such a simple, seem, seemingly simple thing. You know, this 280 character, you know, three sentences doesn't seem terribly complicated. Of course, most congressional offices, I would say virtually all, are going to have some sort of approval process 
because who knows, maybe I wrote something that's going to sound tone deaf or I don't understand the the, the dynamics behind something or it's a, a really granular policy issue that needs a little bit more care in the way that it's communicated. So, you know, I would I would draft a tweet in the morning or really whenever as they came to me and then it would go next to the legislative staffer who handled that policy area who would then send it to the legislative director or the chief of staff uh, for final approval. And so you have this approval process where multiple people are involved just to make sure that you're staying on message and that you're all aware of what the account is tweeting. You don't want to tweet something uh, super provocative, not tell your team. And then all of a sudden your office is getting 400 phone calls because you just, you know, tweeted something mean. Uh, It helps keep everybody on the same page too. So it, it it really there's some variation based on approval processes between campaign and official and a, and a congressional uh, a member of Congress's personal account, um, but I would say for the most part, things are things are generally done still done by staff. Sure. Um, so considering new media like Twitter, even TikTok, and we've talked about Facebook, Instagram. What do you feel like is like your method of success when using new media and campaigning or even daily congressional postings? It almost sounds counterintuitive for me to say this at first, because when we think of social media, we think of uh, being actively engaged. We think of producing content. We think of capturing that really cool Instagram picture that we all want on the vacation destination. And, and yet obviously actual content creation is extremely important because if you're not creating content, why do you even have a Twitter account in the first place? Um, But I would say with so many of these social networks, for me personally, um, I made it a point to really just expand my my listening and and monitoring um, capabilities, I guess, or, or infrastructure would be a better word, because I found that so many of our constituents in Alaska uh, which, first of all, you know, Alaska is the biggest state by land area. And so there are so many individual t- you know, communities, towns, uh, regions that have different issues and are, are facing different things and have different uh, constituents and 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 cultures. And, and you know, we have uh, so many Alaska Native uh, constituents in, in different communities. And so there's a cultural competence uh, that that you really need to develop. And I think the best way to do that is just by listening and, and reading and monitoring. And so uh, what I would do is I would try to, I would I would create like Twitter lists, for instance, and I would divide them up by region of Alaska. So like Southeast Alaska would be Juneau, Ketchikan, South Central Alaska would be something more like uh, Anchorage. And then you'd have interior Alaska like Fairbanks. And there's the North Slope right at the top. And then, you know, Western Alaska with, with places like Nome. Um, and so that was a really good way for me to monitor what was going on in these communities, but also to really understand how how different each community's challenges uh, were. And I think that empowered us as an office and 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 the congressman himself to to really prioritize uh, resources where they were needed, where they would do the most good. Um, and 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 we're talking like you know, constituent services, maybe somebody didn't get their social security check for the month, or they're having issues enrolling in Medicare or, or, or Medicaid, or they didn't get their stimulus check. Any any sort of issue you could have with a, a federal agency, 
uh, or or government more broadly. That's one that's one primary reason to to keep a, keep an eye out. Um, but then there are things that happen in the moment. We can we can look at say social security benefits and know you know at some point someone's going to fall through the cracks not get their check for the month. It's just the nature of the beast. There's 300 million people. Weather can be bad one day and that's all it takes. Um, but then you have stuff that you can't really predict that happens out of nowhere. And I think a great example of this is uh, a couple of years ago, I, I want to say around the very beginning of the pandemic. So it was a, a much more urgent uh, situation. Um, there's an area of Alaska called Tuluksak, which is primarily it's an Alaska native community. And just it, seemingly out of nowhere, I started seeing tweets about how there was a, a fire um, at the only source of clean water in the village. And so, you know, suddenly out of nowhere, we're seeing these reports of clean water no longer being available because infrastructure there was devastated. And so that kind of helped us huddle together real quick, develop a, a, at least a short term plan to let constituents know that one, we know this is going on. We're listening. We want you to call us if you need help. We're trying to figure out a long-term fix for for clean water infrastructure, um, but just being able to to see that and respond in a in a timely manner, I'd, I'd say you know the news broke and we had a tweet about it within maybe an hour hour and a half, um, and 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 that's another tricky thing too is any sort of uh, situation that's evolving in the moment, whether it's a natural disaster or or, or you know a, a a tragedy like a fire at the the water facility. Um, th that needs to go through the approval process, just like something as simple as a, a happy St. Patrick's Day tweet. Um, mm -hmm. But obviously something like this is going to be far more consequential and serious and, and there are actual lives and livelihoods on the line. And so we have to be really mindful when we're trying to respond to these things that we don't let the sort of congressional messaging bureaucracy bog us down in our ability to respond. We want to respond quickly we want to respond right, so we don't want to do it too fast, but we don't want to just linger and and let any situation get forgotten about because you know one person doesn't like the specific wording or punctuation used on a tweet. So it's all about uh, team dynamics and and having a goal and just and going for that goal. And that comes back to just congressional staff more broadly, learning how to work with them, the workplace dynamics, knowing exactly who you need to talk to to get something done. Right. Um, so I guess wrapping up here, how would you use new media in the future, in your future endeavors, whether it be um, another congressional staff position or working on a campaign? How do you plan to use new media? Sure. I think uh, it's it's important for me to be mindful of just the ever evolving new media landscape. Uh, when I first when I got some of my first jobs in politics after college, the big thing that we were all uh, paying attention to, waiting for it to break out in politics was Vine. And, <laughs> you know, Vine was funny, six second videos, of course. And for like a year and a half, we all had fun on Vine. And then all of a sudden, Vine was no longer a thing. And so it's I think part of it is recognizing what uh, social media platforms, what new media platforms um show the best promise of standing the test of time and making your investments there. Uh, famously, the 2008 Obama campaign used uh, Facebook and, and, a, and a very new at the time uh, Twitter to, to help reach voters. And, and I think that's still going to be um, the, the bread and butter of new media. I, I think right now, uh, a good example of how things change is if somebody asked me the best way to get a message out, 
quickly, effectively. Uh, I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't tell them to even bother posting on Facebook until like that night, frankly, <laughs> as uh, people, it's the, the, the algorithm is such that people may be at work when it comes out. Uh, it's a, the, the demographic has changed, you know, it was a, a college thing and now it, uh, it skews a little older. Um, and, and Twitter is just the, the instant fast way to get something out. And you're always seeing, you have, you have to know who your audience is always, but you have to know who you're writing tweets for. And what I mean by that is, you know, what prominent media accounts are following your boss and you know what prominent media accounts are following you. And, you know, hopefully uh, you get a few years, some experience under your belt and you realize how the members of the press uh, prefer to hear news, how they prefer to like what works to catch their attention on something, like how to amplify something uh, in a, in a more efficient uh, way that, that gets coverage. Um, so, you know, I, going forward in new media, the, the number one thing, it's not, a, it's not a specific thing, but, uh, I, I would keep in mind that I'd want to have a game plan. I want to, I want to keep in my, in mind who all these prominent people are, who's, who are my target members of the media, just, even if it's just a mental list of 10 reporters, you want to know what social platforms they're using, what, what they're on, you know, maybe they tweet that they're, for instance, going over to Mastodon or, or something like that. Um, knowing that, social media platforms will change in their availability in their scope and their function and in their audiences and just always being ready to move on and experiment with the next one and that doesn't mean abandon what you've done i don't think anybody would say right now i'm going to abandon twitter and just do facebook posts uh, and i think there's maybe only one or two members of congress who don't have an official twitter account still um but you have to you have to know a lay of the land and you have to constantly like every few months flex that muscle of who's online, what what voices are getting the most airtime and how do I tailor what I'm doing on this new media platform to them? Like, how do I, how do I catch their attention? Um, I, I, I would say, you know, finally, uh, what I would keep in mind is I, I've found a lot of success in engaging with uh, constituents on Twitter. Um, you know, Twitter is a great way to even amplify existing infrastructure that you have. The The internet is not new or, you know, a little over 30 years now, people have really been accessing websites and your member of Congress has a website, certainly, but people don't, you know, go to uh, aoc.house.gov to create a, you know, an AOC social account because there's no social media for an individual member of Congress on their website, but what you can do is you have a whole wealth of information of how a member of Congress has voted, of what bills they're working on or, or have introduced, uh, just statements that they've made. That all lives on the website. And using uh, a Twitter account or even you know now with 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 Reels on TikTok and Instagram, the any any sort of vertical video um, content location can can link externally. Uh, to a website. It's just a great way to remind people, hey, we have this, you know, if Twitter is just the the little appetizer, if Twitter is just the the Costco sample of a pizza that they're selling, the entire pizza can be yours uh, if you click this link. And and that way they can access the website. They can uh, they can better engage with the member of Congress. If they're on Twitter, didn't even know that the member of Congress had a website, suddenly they click the link and they're asked if they want to sign up for the newsletter. 
boom, now you have another way to communicate with constituents, to, to, to engage them, to ask them where they stand on, on issues and to, to solicit their opinions when, and when, when legislation is uh, enacted in the future. So it's, it's leveraging, it's leveraging new media for the sake of new media itself, certainly. But I, I think one of my priorities with new media has always been to use new media to give a fresh coat of paint to stuff that kind of gets forgotten. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Zach, for coming to chat with us about new media. Yeah, no problem. This was great. Best of luck to you all. All right. So that about wraps it up. But before we leave, we just want to give first another thank you to Mr. Zach Brown for spending his time with us today. Um, it was greatly appreciated. And also, we want to give a special thanks to our professor, Dr. Heather Evans, for this assignment. We've had so much fun. And thank you for allowing us to be on your radio show, Red, White, and Confused. And thank you all for taking the time out of your day to listen to us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.